ha- have you seen Deepest Breath? No. No. It's about freedivers. You'd love yeah. it. Oh, it's so good. So this is really interesting. It's hectic, but wanted, it's good. I want to talk about this because they get asked a lot about their their approach to sport and their strategy right. in yeah. sport because everybody wants them to sort of, you know, become an ESPN and do live mm. sports. But, you know, and I asked them this specifically, you know, like what they've done to Formula One yeah. with Drive to Survive is mm. phenomenal. In the US, like yeah. in the US, nobody watched it. Mm-hmm. And now they've got three, maybe four, Grand Prix that yeah. are happening in in the US, and then similarly they've done a similar thing with with cycling, um, yeah. and, and um, they've also done the quarterback as well, uh, which is the really, quarterbacks, yeah, the, the, it's the on the list, isn't it? One. Yeah. So there's a lovely quote. So so they say we're not anti sports, we're just pro profit, right? And this this flies back to when I used to cover Sky, which is that when these rights, these sports rights, are up for a new renewal, the price always goes up. And you don't own the rights, you just rent the rights, right? And mm. so it's very hard, ask Disney about this, um, with ESPN, to make money out of sports rights. Mm. The real people that, I think I wrote a note once that said, you know, um, Liverpool house prices and Manchester house prices do particularly well because all the all the players, you know, they're the ones that benefit from, from all this, not the Bentley Sky shareholders. Yeah, Bentley Card dealers, exactly right. So... Um, um, so that's interesting. Um, and then finally, from LA, we went up to Seattle and saw Microsoft and T-Mobile and, of course, Amazon as well. So, so LA, great. San Fran, you were in Eastbourne last week, presumably. Uh, I like uh, Eastbourne. Uh, uh, yeah, where was I, last? I can't remember where I was last week. Uh, no, Kent somewhere. No, Essex. Essex last week. Doing the rounds. The, the glamour. That is the glamour. It's glamour. It's the best part of the job. Getting out and getting yeah. out and seeing people. Exactly um, right. I could talk to the guys from home about this. So before I do, I'm going to introduce the show. Welcome everyone. Taking stock after the bell, Mr. Ben Barringer this week. Uh, not only an executive director at Culture Cheviot, but um, one of our senior research team, senior researchers on the team, uh, covering global technology, media and telecoms um, for my money one of the people with the most interesting jobs in the firm <laughs> as you've probably heard about um, yeah I could talk to the guys come home about this about the sport thing um, I think what they've done with Drive to Survive is super clever because you've got a narrative around people that you wouldn't necessarily know that much about mm-hmm. I, you know the drivers and that's kind of the format that they're going with so far but I think you can see this with Sky Sky are pouring a huge amount of money into the football league from next year because I just think top level well football is the obvious one mm-hmm. it's just becoming so expensive to get the rights mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. and actually you can get more of a like the, the top level football is so inaccessible there's not really a narrative around it whereas mm-hmm. they can spin more of a story for slightly cheaper I think with well, the, the lower ends human beings love stories don't they that's why yeah I mean like this is the, going back to what I was saying about Netflix and them being you know television when I when I was young <laughs> <laughs> Sound like an old man. So I um, you know, there was that. Anglia and Granada and yeah. Thames Television, and, and television was local, and then it went to national because that's just not economic. And, and now it's global, mm. right? And and, it, and and Netflix say this a lot. You know, it's all about global ser- storytelling. Mm. You know, Squid Game is a very Korean story, but it's a story that resonates with lots and lots of people, right? And so, yeah, that's what's happening. And and the st- same is true with sport. You know, there are great stories that happen within sport. That's why we're all so obsessed with it. Mm. And arguably, those stories don't need to be live. I actively think they don't want them to be live anymore because right. you can curate your content. Plus, 
people don't it's depressing to say people don't want to watch 90 minutes of football anymore young people don't want to watch 90 minutes really? of football anymore they'll watch like five minute highlight reels or mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be so I'm I'm not a soccer fan. No, and I use that word deliberately. Well, any game, any game, any 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 sport that goes on, like how many people are watching full days of golf? No, young people that don't really do it. It's not engaging, is it? Sure. And if you're Netflix, you probably want snappy narratives mm-hmm. and, and again stories. full swing from Netflix. Yeah. great show. Mm-hmm. Just basically showing that pretty much all players are equal. It's just confidence that makes that you know last yeah. half a percent. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, get to know the people behind the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to can we kick off with Netflix actually because something um, something that really interests me about the stock market in general is is narratives and I wrote something this morning about this you can have a narrative around a company and very little changes about the company mm. but how people feel about the company oscillates yeah. wildly and I've got you know if I sit in front of a, a customer for the first time and explain to them what the stock market is you are buying a right to the earnings of the best companies in the world mm. and how people feel about those earnings will oscillate mm, yeah. wildly, but over time those earnings tend to go up. So how as an analyst do you sort of se- separate yourself as opposed from the prevailing narrative and, and Netflix is one that's come yeah. a long way in 12 months? Funnily enough, I was thinking about exactly this this question this morning because you know what drives share prices, you can decompose into two things, right? The earnings of the company, yeah. and then the multiple that they put those earnings on. And, and what drive, things. you know, the things that drive that multiple, it's quite a long list, right? And then so it's, what's the growth of the company going to be? You know, what, what are the earnings look like in the future? And how, how, how high quality is that business? And, you know, what's the discount rate that you use for, for all of that? So, you know, and what is the sentiment generally towards those, you know, to your, to your question, what is the sentiment? And, and you're right, Netflix has had exactly that roller coaster ride as people because you're discounting a long way into the future, mm. right? You're trying to say, what does Netflix, with every investment, you're really trying to say, what does this look like in five years' time? Mm. Let's pick that <clears> as a horizon. Um, the business was a conception. You know, there's there's a famous there's a famous quote like, um, I'm about. Uh, I think it was a Time Warner CEO said. Um, I'm about as scared of Netflix as I am of the Albanian army, right? And that guy, you know, <laughs> and that guy no longer works for Time Warner, yeah. and and Netflix are clearly where they are. Well, and, and ne- so Netflix started out flogging DVDs, and they in the post. Absolutely. Yeah, in love, fact, love, 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 film. Love in fact, last quarter they shipped one of their last. DVDs. Did they? So they still have that business. They so that business still Presumably exists. that's just one bloke in a warehouse every <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> right. it's, it's a very small part of my model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So we, we went on this narrative of how many households are in the other in the world and how how many can they accumulate, and then what does profitability of a business that's never existed before look like in five years' time? Right. Which is subs times price minus costs and. 80% of their costs are content, right? And so that's great when everything's growing, but then their stubs started to, to slow, right? right? And, you know, and, and let's face it, they had the absolute, like lots of companies during COVID, they had the absolute golden moment. Like if you weren't going to watch Netflix during COVID, then, mm. you know, you were probably, uh, there was something wrong with you or you had very good reasons why you didn't. Um, so it was, it was a golden time for them. They then faced very, you know, difficult, comparisons as well and, and their and, costs went up as well and their, co- and their costs went up as well for, for, for lots of different reasons um, and it's also a very difficult business to forecast like they always put out quarterly guidance but 
they don't know any more than, than we do, really. You know, you know that you're going to get more subscribers in the winter because people watch more TV in the winter, but they skew their slate for that, right? Mm. So, so anyway, so 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 looking back, they they slowed, but then they realised that they'd really got some things up their sleeve, right? And and we all knew that we were we had an account, but it was shared with my parents or, or you know my brother. Yeah, or if Karen Henry's watching this, you're going to have to get your own account or a freeloader. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so there's a whole load of people password sharing. Uh, and then there's also one of the original conceptions of Netflix was it was a great product with great TV, but with no adverts, right? And they realized that, that and I don't think they particularly wanted to do this, actually, because mm. I think they wanted to create an ad-free business. But, but the, the pressure that the, the share price came under, um, they pivoted and, and started offering ad-supported. Ad and it turns out that ad-supported, you can make an awful lot more money than you can, you know, um, from a subscription. Is that so, what, is that, why is that? Do basically, we, because yeah, our, our eyeballs the, the, are worth more than we think than we think they are, and that we're willing to pay on a monthly basis. Co correct. So, 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 look. So, um, typically, Mind their typical ARPU is ten dollars a month, um, but they are selling going to sell ads ad supported for sort of six ninety nine something like that. So seven dollars. Yeah. But they think they can make five, maybe six, maybe even more. Of an incremental ARPU, so mm -hmm. so rather than going from ten, you're going to, to 12. twelve or thirteen. So they can make five dollars a month in advertising. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's very interesting. There are services where you can get us ad supported, or you can get a non ad supported. Yeah. And it's very, and they're identical services. And you can price how much you think advertising is worth to you. You know, some people, myself, I would pay an extra five dollars not to have advertising. Yeah, same. Personally, but we're not. We're but, not the demographic are we and, and and that's particularly important when you go into a macro slowdown right because um people are looking at ways of cutting costs even five dollars a month um and so it, it plays to that and it opens up another demographic so yeah also not a demographic but another you know pool option of, of, don't of, of don't people. don't don't churn off completely just go to yeah. the, the cheaper version and yeah just, or, or people who who couldn't afford netflix or, or just as sort of a segue as an aside, one of the sort of themes in this podcast has been, are we going to have a recession, yes or no? Mm -hmm. And I joined 10 years ago when obviously you covered Sky, which is no longer yeah. a UK listed business. And I do distinctly remember you saying pretty much every quarter, whenever we were worrying about recession, Sky is a recession-proof business. Completely. People do not cancel TV. their TV. TV. Pre-Netflix. Pre-Netflix Sky. I mean, yeah. you know, people are not going to go out on holiday or to restaurants. TV They're, is incredibly cheap entertainment. You know, was it cost seven pounds? Ten? If it's say it's ten pounds a month, mm. that's very cheap. I mean, it's yeah. a bit like your telecoms bill, your, your, your mobile phone. You bill. Just, it's it just very, comes it's very cheap considering the amount of value it it gives you. Uh, yeah. So in the you know, if there's a. I remember thinking this myself six months ago. If there's a mega ugly recession, are people going to get rid of Netflix? Was well, probably one of the last things to, last go. Things to go. I think mm, this time yeah. around, Sky mm. could be. Sky. I, I think about my own circumstances. Yeah. Do I want to pay 120 quid for Sky if I lost my job? Probably, probably not. I don't really want to watch United that badly. Mm. Um, but the you know that's probably a wee bit more exposed than. Yeah. What I do think will happen though, people as you know this sort of plethora of other services becomes available, so HBO Max and um, you know Disney Plus clearly, uh, and and there's a, and obviously Amazon Prime as well. Is people will be a bit more selective. But the the great thing about Netflix is. One, they don't have a legacy business, so they don't have to worry about 
traditional advertising, a bit like un unlike Disney. Um, and then they have got just got a better, um, they just got a better content slate, right? They're absolute experts at you know making sure that it goes a little bit quiet over summer, but then they can um, ramp stuff into the into the into the, the fall, into the weather, into the weather. That's right. So we, we had numbers last week, Ben, and the stock was down. The numbers were actually subscribers were better mm. than they expected, but mm. obviously, you know, who knows what to expect each quarter. But is that a function of the stock is already up fifty percent year to date, yeah. and therefore being down five is not a big deal? I, I think that's right, and I think there's there's a little bit of that happening in, in lots of companies we've seen report so far. So we've had ASML, TSMC, Netflix, mm -hmm. and all of them have been okay, but they've not beaten whisper numbers or right. buy side numbers in, in tech you get you know you get the sell side published numbers and then you get sort of buy side which aren't published but they, they vary can often vary and then you get whisper numbers closer to the print uh, and they didn't you know they didn't smash it right and um, they're being very slow and deliberate about this advertising mm. rollout. they're not it's not just a switch you can turn on yeah um, and and similarly with the password sharing they're being very slow and deliberate about that as well because you're creating a churn event for people you, you know it was it wasn't publicized as a benefit of having netflix but being able to share it has become a it's, it is a thing right it's not it's not probably not in the terms and conditions but they're no. just tightening that net and and that's why we stayed positive on netflix despite the sort of fall off in the share price because if i always think about a business in terms of levers of growth and how many levers have they got to pull and Netflix had quite a lot of levers, even if things were going, you know, mm. going bad for them. Um, sometimes you run out of levers as a business, and that, that is a problem. Yeah, they've got they've got the scale like quite a lot of these these companies, which we'll get on to in a minute. Sure. But um, in terms of streaming, had a real moment in time there, and sometimes the stock market. And I'm sure well, you deal with these companies, you know much better than me. The stock market kind of tells you what you want from a business, and Netflix at seven hundred bucks a pop wasn't it stratospheric rise all of a sudden everyone needs to do streaming mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. what do you think happens in streaming because there are a hell of a lot more <laughs> players than there, are, than there were three or four years ago yeah. and it turns out streaming is a really difficult business if you look like at the numbers for quite a lot of these yeah look so so really all you've done is turn it from being delivered by aerials to being actually delivered uh, through the internet, mm -hmm. right? The with the fact that Netflix, Netflix was diff very differentiated in the sense it was completely ad free and it was you know, a utopia in the sense that you could just watch TV and nothing else, right? That's now changed and everybody is moving to advertising type models. So really, the only thing that has changed has been the delivery mechanism and just the scale that one can achieve, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, everyone's going to move to to that model. It's my belief that only the big big guys survive mm. right because you need to have that that content slate and disney even the mighty disney is struggling with this because well, if you think about disney plus they've got the best content slate in the world probably uh it's high quality but it's quite niche like i cannot get rid of disney plus because my daughter loves frozen right? yeah, so i'm yeah. so i'm you know hamstrung but plenty of people don't need to watch Disney animation and they don't need to watch the Marvel stuff and they don't need to watch the you know Star Wars stuff and so there is a little bit of fatigue with that so there's not you know that very wide general entertainment um, 
uh, that Disney's got. And that's why they bought some of the Fox assets. You remember... Mm. Um, tried to buy Sky. Uh, ESPN. Yeah, they tried to buy Sky as well, as well don't they? Uh, 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 well, then they only, yeah, they only ESPN. And go back to my previous comment, you know, that is a difficult asset to own because the economics of it are, are not very good. They also own the IPL in, in India. But again, they got sort of out, outbid on that and the economics didn't make any sense. So, you know, Disney is, is not well set up because you've got... Um, Disney Plus that's you know not delivering you've got difficult comps in terms of losing the IPL you've also in the recent traditional television advertising they have this thing called the upfronts right which is mm. where advertisers commit to a, this year's worth of advertising and the pricing that you get off that is is what normally what dictates pricing for the rest of the year yes. the upfront pricing eyeballs in linear TV we all know have been declining for what 10 years um, but pri because that that audience was quite still quite big, and to get to it was a sort of you know increasingly difficult. But the pricing in the upfronts was has always been quite positive, right? And so, if you look at Disney's linear TV business, it's been stable, not declining. This most recent round of, of upfronts pricing has started to fall off as well. So you've got volumes going down and pricing going down, and that's not a good look, mm. right? So um, Disney yeah. should buy Disney should buy a cinema chain. Well, again, it's got its own problem because during COVID, it played around with all of those windows, right? There's a, a, a window system, right? You release stuff in cinemas yeah. and then you release it uh, in, in, in um, on television and selected selected movie channels and then you release it on DVD and, and so on and so forth, all the way down, right? And uh, lots of those channels have collapsed because of COVID and people wanting, the, 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 to your original point, everyone's drive to go towards streaming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cinema's a dying business, isn't it? I can't remember the last time I went. I think, I think so. I think so. I think it's had a bit of a, a, bit of a renaissance. Uh, renaissance just because, a, like a lot of outdoor activities and, and special treats, you can do it again. You can do it yeah. again. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got you, then you've got their parks business, which is a phenomenal asset. And Disney's a hundred years old this year, and you know, Disney will definitely be a hundred years. You know, exist in another hundred years and have great appeal. But again, you're coming off difficult, difficult comps as well. So it's a more difficult setup for the, for Disney into the quarter. The one I'm most worried about, I have to say. I heard, I think I've said this to you before, John. I heard on podcasts the high, highest margin that Disney sell is the chicken tenders at their mm. at their amusement parks. So <laughs> no, 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 you know, Mickey Mouse, Donald uh, Duck, and they're basically yeah. flogging chicken strips, right? Yeah, That's what they want you to buy. Three-year-old and two-year-old, a bit like you, Ben. I'm guessing it's just kind of a matter of time before I get sure. the uh, get the opportunity sure. to sample them. <laughs> it's not in my cash flow spreadsheet, but it's probably yeah. going to. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a big yeah. old liability, it's guys. It's coming. I mean, those guys are just, they're just a machine at, at sort of, you know, Extracting. emptying your pocket, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, good for them. Want, uh, to, want to jump the queue? Yeah, no problem. We could pay for that. Yeah, uh, everything, everything's got a price. Just money making. You talk about pricing power, mm -hmm. and that is, uh, is example 101. Um, you're to date so far, Ben, um, in terms of the market. So what, what you can see here on screen, which is, I think, a neat little chart, is basically the top 10 stocks and the contribution to total return. Um, for the American market, the S&P 500 from the beginning of the year to 31st May on the left-hand side. And basically, all of the return of the market during that period has come from the big 10, mm. if you like. Um, since then broadened out a bit mm -hmm. which is what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago yeah, what we tends did. to happen is the rest of the market catches up because the narrative tends to be all the performance is coming from eight names yeah 
market's going to collapse historically that just hasn't been the case but just coming over the left hand side here you know if you haven't had apple you haven't had microsoft nvidia alphabet like you've been kicking uphill right yeah i mean look it's it's been difficult because we we got this right coming into the year like we thought that the fundamentals for tech were well discounted this year and actually 2024s um you're going to get decent growth from tech um in fact better than any sector in in 2024. um so you've got reasonable fundamentals that are well discounted you've got relative growth that's that's looking pretty good you know relative. during the relative growth exactly mm. during 2022 um you know, it was much easier to get growth in oils or financials and, and, and so forth, and energy generally. Um, but that's that's rolled over. Um, and then, you know, interest rates are starting to, to roll over as well, right? And so the long duration nature of some of these companies. Mm. But the characteristics of these companies that, you, that we've got up here are, these are not the super fast growth companies. Mm, no. These are generally the mega caps, right? And yeah. so they've got great business models. They're all profitable. They've got cash on the balance sheet. They've got very high returns on it, return on invested capital. Um, and some of them have had earnings upgrades because of things like AI. So, you know, Microsoft and Nvidia are probably the most you know, obvious examples. Um, Apple is more puzzling. Apple, mm. <laughs> Apple is a very difficult one because it should have a great AI strategy, you know, Siri should be a much better product than it is. Right? Do you think it's rubbish? I think Siri Sorry not to put words yeah, in your mouth, I barely yeah, use it. Poor, extremely poor. Compared it's unusually to bad for Apple. Yeah, I think, I think because again, they're, well, maybe they haven't invested in it, but maybe they, with AI, you get some of these uh, hallucinations, you know, get perfect results. And I think Apple strive to be perfect is a little bit at, at odds with some of the stuff that current AI produces. Right? Mm. So, so maybe maybe it's that, or maybe they just haven't, you know, sort of doubled down and focused. There is chat that they're going to improve it. Um, generally, I think the best explanation is one: the buyback, because you know, it's, it's a huge buyback, and it's a bit like a, a python eating its own tail. You know what I mean? It's this sort of uh, perpetual motion machine of, of being able to produce cash and then buy back stock, and so. The, so what the is, county, what is so the, the market cap is about three trillion, isn't it? Yes, which is yeah. more than the FTSE 100, which we're, we've, we've mentioned numerous times every week. Absolutely. <laughs> what, is, what is what is the buyback? I, I, I forget the billion. I forget the numbers. Yes, it's a couple of hundred billion. It's half of Berkshire Hathaway stock yeah. portfolio now. Yeah. The other thing is that classically. Apple always performs quite well into an iPhone launch as well. So it always does quite well in the three, four months really? before September when they relaunch. But this has been, as, as your chart shows, you know, this has been running for um, seven months. So, yeah. so it's, and it's actually, been very strong. Apple was one of the better performers because most of these stocks here on the left that have done really well for the mm. first few months of the year had a really bad year last yeah, year. Last, right? So yeah. NVIDIA, Tesla, Meta, they're all in 70% drawdowns. Right. Amazon, Google were nearly 50, weren't mm. they? Apple was probably the best of those, right? Yeah. Down 2025 or something. It, it, it's really difficult because we, we, we might have talked about this before, but you can view Apple two ways. It's either a hardware company that sells technology or it's a brand, a luxury brand that like Nike, right? And so mm. the 30 times or 29 times it trades on um, today should either be compared to a PC manufacturer or it should be compared to Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, which is on thirty-two, I think, something yeah. like that. Right. So, yeah, that, that's the that's the issue. Well, the other thing that worries me a little bit about Apple is um, they've re- released their Vision Pro, 
uh, their their sort of metaverse yes. uh, goggles, and so far shipments have been below what people have been expecting. What's the pricing in those? Like they're three thousand dollars. Three thousand dollars. Yeah, okay. it's more a bit so more than three. Just luxury brand bit, yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a phenomenal bit of technology, but it's not. Compare it to Meta's Quest. It's not, you know, two or three times better. It's just, you know, Apple again wants to make the perfect product and sort of assess the market. Mm. Maybe we'll get a sort of a, mm. a not a dumbing down, but a, a specking down of the product if it's successful. But so far, it's you know, it's absolutely again a very small part of my my spreadsheet, my, my value. Yeah, sure. Um, the second point is that. Apple's been sort of defying gravity in terms of compared to other smartphone makers. So Samsung and all of the other uh, Android players have been in decline for for most of the last few years, um, and, and Apple's been outperforming and taking share. But you saw in those TSMC numbers that you know, smartphone was down nine percent last quarter, and Apple is TSMC's biggest customer, right? And so there's got to be some read through into what Apple units are. The, this this is I think this is a really interesting point because we haven't been through a recession a proper long protracted recession mm-hmm. in fifteen years. When was the iPhone brought out? Uh, oh, 07. Yeah. oh seven. So seven. just before like just before the last sort yeah. of extended recession, mm-hmm. we don't know how much pricing power they have. Well, it's I mean it's very easy to. So when I was tra- if you go through an iPhone replacement cycle, historically it was because the battery stopped working after mm-hmm. a year or two. Mm-hmm. But actually, I can't believe they get away with that. They've improved it now. So I've had my phone for two years, and the battery life is still brilliant, mm-hmm. like very good. So with the replacement cost being a thousand pounds or twelve hundred pounds in the UK or whatever it might be for the the top end top model, it's very easy for me to say, well, actually, if I'm my phone two years, I'll just keep another year. Mm-hmm. So in terms of coming back to the recession point, if you're facing recession and bit of belt tightening going on and there's some potential job losses around you unlike your Netflix subscription it's very easy to just postpone changing your iPhone unless you're a diehard so I think you're absolutely right I think we haven't really had a proper recession to test Apple in the world of thousand dollar iPhones then does yeah your point Ben how what sort of metrics is the market looking for? It's not necessarily iPhone iPhone sales anymore, is it? It's you know. Well, well, then they don't report units anymore. They only report sales, right? So, so they can just because that's what everyone the... used to focus on. Like, yeah, that's right. They? Yeah, it and takes the eye. In fact, Netflix now do the same as well. They focus on on revenues, not not subs. Subs. So it's it's a uh, an admission that they want people to look at the pricing power that they've, that they've mm. basically got. The only thing I would say as a counter, and I'm sort of arguing against myself is that you know just think in your maslow hierarchy of needs no, very high yeah you know the iphone is essential right i, I had to go and do a i had a problem with my phone are you can i before you start can i i've got to know because you're the tech guy if you've got an iphone are you an iphone man of course yeah okay. yeah yeah it's right. actually, i don't Not have all the apple products but in fact i had a problem with my 14 and i upgraded to the 14 pro because the camera is you know that much can, better right can but you I, can you tell me then why they make the phones so big <laughs> the phones are too big not make they've stopped making the smaller one i have a friend of mine who has the the the, the last one they made is it is it called the mini s or something no no yeah. not the 5s there was a there was a mini one and he just liked that because yeah the screen was too big why they're so big probably so they can get enough chips and battery in it to make it last long enough yeah that's probably the reason oh, there you go um but yeah, I went through the, I don't know if anyone's done this, but they do a complete profile refresh and you basically delete your iPhone right? Right. and hope 
that you can restore it into the same way and it's I mean, it's, I've never had I've never had a heart transplant, <laughs> no, but I can imagine felt like that. pretty close, you know. Yeah. Like, and I'm I'm a tech guy, and I was in the Apple store, and I'm like, you're going to help me through this, yeah. Because if it goes bad, I know. I'm going to cry. Yeah, going to cry. <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, it's it's an um, it's an unbelievable co- company, and as we've said, there's a bunch of different ways of looking at it. Tech as a sector, I think, it was probably. Again, don't want to put words into your mouth, but probably a much harder sector to try and model because a lot of these companies are out here. <laughs> like sure. the growth and the ideas and that's out here. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a company that's going to go between a nine times price to earnings multiple to six times and back again. Nine. A lot of the growth is, you know, yeah. how do you think? I mean, there's got to be quite a lot of like yeah. estimates, guesswork, but you know what I'm driving at? Uh, yeah qualitative uh, work with these businesses yeah there's there's quite a lot of qualitative stuff i mean ultimately you know all of this sort of amber through last year in the last couple of years has been this sort of risk on risk off and, and i sort of think of that as how far people are prepared to discount the future you know it was um 2021 you know people were sort of and, and money was free people were like well yeah you know that's 10 dreams years. we want yeah, dreams absolutely. we don't care about profitability we only want growth right you know and the the rise in interest rates has really meant that there's money is no longer free and so a hurdle rate exists rather than there being no hurdle rate it always used to make me laugh like we've bought this company and it's accretive to our profitability if you can borrow in nothing six, in, six, in six decades um, time of course it's accretive right and so so yeah now there's a little bit more of a rationalization and and i've always tried to model even when i was modeling netflix or amazon back when amazon you know what was that 2013 when netflix was when amazon was 300 dollars. so what's that 10x less than it was you have to be able to see a clear path to profitability and then you start to look at other businesses and say what would a margin look like when it hits profitability? So mm-hmm. in the case of Netflix, what does a um, television network, what's that profitability? And actually the number is about 35%. I model Netflix getting to 25% margins over the long term. Similarly, Amazon, you know, what does a, a large scale retail retailer mm-hmm. make in terms of margins? Now, their, you, their North American margin hovers around sort of 5%. I model 8% in the sort of longer term. So you have to have a, just a view on, on profitability. But yeah, it, it involves taking an intelligent an intelligent estimate. Yeah. You could use the word guess as well, but I think I think estimate is, is sounds no, It's just there's quite a lot of variability. I mean, something like yeah. an alphabet, I mean, they spend a huge amount of money on, on research and development, don't they? Mm-hmm. So there potentially could be some businesses cooking in there that are, sure. you know, mm-hmm. All of these big tech companies, that's one of the reasons they, they keep all this cash on the balance sheet, it's typically 10% of, of the market cap of the company, is because they've all read the books about disruption, right? Mm-hmm. And they know that it's very rare that the winner in one cycle is able to hop across the chasm to the next cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Microsoft is probably the only example of that in recent history you know intel xerox you know you brought blockbuster you pick your i think it was bill gates dinosaur. i remember here reading a bill gates quote he said actually innovative technology should probably trade in a discount because mm. of that very mm-hmm. potential that mm. you get disrupted yeah, which is it, kind of in some ways counterintuitive i mean it used to happen a lot in cybersecurity, not as much anymore but you get guys that would build a company and then the sort of core team would build the company it would hit sort of the growth uh at the top of the growth curve and then the the, the sort of core p 
people inside it would go off and set up a new company, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it, the, that innovation is going to always going to happen because people are always looking to to reinvent stuff. One of the key reasons in tech is because as soon as you start a business anywhere in the world, right, the tech you've chosen from day one becomes legacy, right? Because you've made a decision. So unless you can be very, very active in terms of keeping your tech uh, footprint and all the tech you use up to date and evolved and, and so on, you know, you, you have legacy when you start a business. And mm. so that's, it, and, it, and it happens more actively in, in, in tech. Mm. Um, yeah. There's, there's a couple of charts here. I think, you know, you sent across Ben yeah. beforehand. Um, Refer to the haves and haves nots. I, here's what I think's going on here. Um, I think tech, mega cap tech, where the performance for the first month, five months of the year has come from, are, are ports in a storm. Yeah, I think people are buying them because they they can say the degree of confidence Microsoft is going to grow by twenty percent next yeah. year or X percent the next year. And these, you know, this chart is quite a busy chart, but basically it tells you that these are unbelievably good businesses and what we have seen historically this is jp morgan from the latest guide to the markets um quality tends to outperform in a recession so s p mm. quality relative to the the rest of the market so if you're looking for a business going into a recession a mega cap with scale with unbelievable profitability with levers to pull not a bad not yeah. a bad option we, we used to use this this uh term tina for, for equities right mm. there is no alternative but it, it, when I think about it on a cross-sector basis, it, it was the default place to put money, large cap tech. Um, not unprofitable. You, know, you notice back on that slide that one of the quality scores for high growth tech was actually quite low, but that's because of the lack of profitability. You sent this yeah. chart as well, which yeah, which caught my eye, um, which is the share of technology, isn't it, in unprofitable businesses? Right on. I'm pretty surprised that's not gone a lot lower. So yeah. recently, well, this is what's been happening in uh, the probably the last three or four quarters. Businesses have been asked by investors, you know, can you pivot from growth to profitability? Right? There's this horrible thing used in software analysis called the rule of forty, which basically, if you add up the sales growth and the margin, you get to forty. Like why 40? I've no clue. And that's why I don't like it as a metric because it's just it's a really random fun. number. But it allows, you know, as your growth slows, you should be able to increase your, your margin, yeah. right? Look at big companies like Salesforce, which was, you know, Mark Benehoff has been driving since he uh, set up the business. Growth, 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 you know, um, phenomenal perks for staff, DJs in the, in the lobby, you know, incredible customer conferences with Metallica headlining, you know, and, and, a combination of rates going higher and pressure in the form of activists, mm -hmm. you know, sat on his lawn saying, hey, we what you are a massive software company. Your margins are 15, 16, 17, something like that. And Adobe's are 40. Mm -hmm. what Come are you on, doing? what's what gives, right? Yeah. And so they're on a target for the, exactly that. Period. Yeah, Metallica aren't free, man. No, absolutely. <laughs> they had Matthew McConaughey um, do some internal marketing, and he charged them only. I think it was was it a million or ten million? So it was a it was a big number. Uh, you know. So so yes, everything is a little bit gold plated. Uh, if you worked at Salesforce, that is changing. They no longer. Uh, we met them in San Francisco. They don't have the the DJ in the lobby. There's there's cost cutting for you. Mm. Well, that, that comes back to the point about rates. When rates are naught, 
Yeah. Get the DJ in, grow the top line as aggressively as possible, don't care about your profits. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, interest rates are 5% and US 10-year treasuries are full. Right. Investors are going, right, well, it's time to make us some They've got the memo pretty quickly. I mean, it's the point, they've got <clears throat> the levers to pull, right? Yeah. So if you're one of these unprofitable businesses that's based on dreams and jam in 30 years, right. you haven't. Well, that's the point about the year to date, isn't it? So during the pandemic or the post-pandemic, boom as we call it sort of mini 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 bubble that we had mm -hmm. it was all the unprofitable stuff wasn't it the zooms and the pelotons and the yeah you know the really like wacky stuff um rivian and, and kind of all those things but the year to date those unprofitable things those dream stocks haven't come back no they whereas haven't. the ones that have pulled the levers correct and last year we were all talking about microsoft laying off ten thousand people mm. uber going for free cash flow positive mm. CR, um, crm salesforce going for you know margin accretion Complex. that's the story because yeah. the world has changed we're no longer in that kind of yeah. zero percent interest tech, rate world tech ceo one of the things that's also we haven't really talked about this but these companies have great managements that are able to pivot trillion dollar businesses mm. pretty effectively you know zuckerberg you know, laid off a load of people, yep. and we, maybe we'll come to that. But all of these companies no, have had lay, had layoffs, and that is amazing because there are plenty of smaller companies that can't pivot that quickly. No. Why? You, you why know? is that? Do you think? I think they 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 run their run their businesses based on data. They've all they are very. Um, they just they they they're very scared of disruption. And they just, well, they're also very wealthy, so they haven't got a huge amount to lose. But they, they you know, they really want to um, deliver and evolve their businesses quickly. Is that um, because they've been disruptors historically? And I think so. I think they, so. They, they realise th yeah. they need to keep doing that, and what's, that's embedded into the management culture. Yeah. What's I mean? What's that famous Intel uh, book of CEO? Uh, Only the paranoid survive, right? You know, mm. and it's it's absolutely right. You need. You, I think there is just this culture of change um, but you're right I mean, Microsoft have done it um, Netflix to a degree have done it yeah. Salesforce are doing yeah. it Uber one of the good examples from last year was Travis Noyle Travis Kalanick uh, uh, Travis Kalanick yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's and, not and, longer and, in charge and Meta this is amazing isn't it that's a, yeah. that's a, good, that's a good book I'm actually super pumped about Uber mm -hmm. I think they, had, they paid Beyonce and stock to do one of their company <laughs> gigs um, they got the memo pretty quickly on profitability right yeah. but sure. um I but there's, pl there's plenty of companies that haven't p done that pivot and haven't been rewarded by investors. You know, we haven't talked about SPACs. Remember those? <laughs> what, what there, was a, there was an indicator. What was the, like, you might have seen... I'm I always try to think back, because a couple of years is a very long time. Was there, like, a peak moment where it was like, this is a bit out I, of hand? I mean, GameStop sort of jumps to mind. Yeah, I mean, I think SPACs was pretty much... SPACs was well. sort of the belief that, okay, there's this loads of companies that VCs are... I mean, I've got friends who are VCs, and, right? And, and the skill set... You know, I'm CFA, but their, their VC sort of history, our skill sets are very different, and the way we look at things are very different. There are similarities, sure, but the way that we think about the world... And, and I think SPACs was a an attempt to move things faster through the IPO process or, or completely get rid of Because you didn't have of, to give projections, right? No, absolutely. And you, you would, it, there was a whole, I don't know what the stats are. I think I, I heard that sort of one in 20 of the companies that came through a SPAC process are higher than they were when they when they IPO'd, right? Mm. So it's a, 
and, and one in twenty is you know that's a VC, I think that's, that's, a, that's a that's a VC track record, yes. right? So that's back to my point, right? Which is that you know they just weren't ready. Those companies just weren't ready, and it was just like, what can we find that's growing? Okay, yeah, whack. We'll stick it through. through you're incentivized to do any deal, aren't you? Honestly. You're in, as a spark. You're yeah. incentivized to do sure. a deal. Sure. And if there's loads of competition, you're not going to be left with arguably maybe all the best businesses. But I think that's right. I think there's been a huge amount of pulled forward. I, I pity you know I don't pity investment bankers who do IPOs at the moment, but you know, there's been a huge pull forward of those yeah. of those businesses. Are, are we seeing in terms of initial offerings? Are we seeing like a revival there? Is there no. not much happening? No. Dead's fell. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. How long does typically? I actually met I met a UK company and uh, that I've loaned for for sort of almost ten years now, and. The, the CEO, she asked me, you know, should I OPO now? And I said, absolutely not, because the but well, this was six months, maybe nine months ago, because mm -hmm. there's just not a, a solid market. Maybe once the macro starts to improve and, and rates get a bit more stable, but I don't. I think people are much happier holding relics than they are, you know, a new IPO. And 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 also when you're in, you've been in a bear market, you know. People just don't have the time and bandwidth for new ideas. I don't think mm. would be my would be my two pennies. So, uh, if you've got a good AI story, you can probably get it away in the US at a decent valuation. Probably. Johnny hates tech stocks. <laughs> if it's not if it's not uh, a two if it's not a two year guilt, Johnny's not interested. Have you heard about the twenty twenty five guilt? It's a high rate taxpayer. You say to a high rate taxpayer precisely. Yeah. The, the old favourite at the minute. Um, I, I must say, I own a uh, guilt, uh, short data guilt in my PA portfolio as well. So, roll up, roll so up. There, so there you go. Even, you feel all right. Even, even <laughs> tech, tech guy has a, has a two-year guilt. We had um, a macro guy in, didn't we, from one of the big investment banks who shall remain nameless. And he's well-known, very good, been following him for years. He's not a lot older than we are, late 40s. No. And uh, he said that uh, he just bought a guilt for the first time in his life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Goodness me, what is what is the world coming? Well, I've basically spent my entire career, you know, with guilt yields under one percent. Yeah. So I mean, this in, in some ways is pretty exciting. It's accentuated by the fact that the banks aren't delivering similar returns, right? So so it is a, I can get that, but you have to go down a specific mm. you know specific route. But mm. but but I know what you mean. Do you want me to we talk about this V-shaped recovery? Yeah, so Meta is one that I really wanted to talk to you about because it sort of brings the conversation full circle because we're talking mm. about shifting narratives. You couldn't give this thing away last year. Sure, below 100 bucks, yeah. Look at that, that peak, just, just or that, that bottom just around 100 bucks. I mean, look, it was the perfect storm for them, really. Uh, they so, so Meta's reason to exist, its USP, is the fact that it does targeted advertising way better than anybody yes. else, right? You know, there's that whole, you know, 50% of my advertising budget is wasted. I just don't know which half. That is a targeting comment, right? And you're sitting in there in the cinema watching an advert and you're like, well, this is boring because it's not targeted at me. I don't right? care. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. And unless you're going to get rid of advertising, which is very unlikely, People are always going to want to advertise, and I would argue targeted advertising for me is better than just you know washing powder yes. adverts or whatever the, what the case is. So, um, targeted advertising 
and that was their USP. They had this huge runway for pricing growth because they, you know, pricing was very cheap on Facebook mm-hmm. and compared to certainly TV advertising. And so that was great for big advertisers, but it was also really good for small advertisers. So if you owned a wedding dress shop in Guildford, you could, you know, target mm-hmm. your target market. Bish bash bosh. Um, the problem was that Apple uh, a couple of years ago introduced changes to app tracking that we've mm-hmm. all seen. It was called IDFA, and and what it basically said was that uh, that Facebook couldn't collect that data, and so they couldn't target you, right? And that plus subscribers and people getting a bit of fatigue of of what's what's called you know blue Facebook, original Facebook, yes, as opposed to Instagram. Um, meant sub numbers were coming down. And then there was also the threat of TikTok as, as well, right? Mm-hmm. And TikTok was, their USP was short form video, right? Previously, you'd all been scrolling through stuff and looking at stuff that your friends were doing on, on Facebook. This was just general entertainment in short form, right? And what Meta and what internet companies are very good at is they have fast followed or copied <laughs> fast followed. It's a nice, <laughs> yeah. nice word for um, uh, what what TikTok is. So let's, let me let me break it into a few bits. So the IDFA um, tracking changes they have Meta and it's taken them a couple of years, but they have managed to use AI uh, and they've completely rearchitected their data centers with a lot more GPUs in them, and they've also used a lot of client data. So sort of. You know, first-party data, but from from advertisers to not know that it's definitely Dave Henry, but they're pretty sure mm. it's Dave Henry or somebody like him. Yes, right. And so that's that's brought back that USP in terms of targeted advertising. So you speak to big advertisers, the ad agencies, which I do through my media stuff. Facebook went away as a trusted source and a, and a must-use, and now it's back as a as a as a trusted source, mm. right? Is there um, is there presumably a wee bit of bleed from Twitter in terms of advertising because it's so, been abandoned ship over there, hasn't it? So so yeah, market shares. Uh, basically, what's happened is is Meta was about twenty percent, well, twenty twenty two percent of the advertising market, digital advertising market. Mm. It went down to sort of eighteen, and then it started to come back into the twenties, something like that. Um, Twitter's always been a relatively small piece of that pie you know it's dominated 44 percent of it is google right and then you've got amazon actually amazon advertising okay, yeah. as well twitter's actually a relatively small part and then you've got pinterest and, and snapchat and a few others right um so so that's the pricing piece they fast followed with in terms of engagement and and, and subscribers they released reels right mm-hmm. and reels um has seen really good engagement and they've now just started to monetize that so that's been you know really positive for them um and then they've got um threads coming as well which i think is is, is super interesting um 100 million users five days yeah 100 million users five days it's, it's tailed off a little bit yeah, but you know they've got what two billion people who use some form mm. of their apps so there's there's a big runway uh, and let's face it, Twitter have not been very good at monetizing. You still are, you still on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, regularly. It's mm. all my newsfeed, but I mean, it just seem this just seem to be blowing themselves up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, so so they've they fixed the pricing piece, they fixed the engagement piece, and then there's some interesting things that they're doing. Like we've talked about threads, um, and what's interesting about threads is they're imitating um, Twitter. 
But when you think about their advertising platform, it's giving you another way that you can look at Dave Henry. What's important mm. is how Dave Henry engages with the meta group, right? So yeah. you might not be a Facebook fan, but you might be an Instagram fan, but you might really like Reels. Yes. And if you're on threads as well, that's more data and that's all valuable. Like wherever you look turns into money. Yeah, for somebody, go right? Go and flog you something. Yeah, so Reels, they weren't monetizing until uh, what the last sort of nine months, something like that. In next year, it'll be 11% of revenues. Mm. Right. So, so, so has, have they monetized? Twenty twenty five. It'll be eleven percent. Have they monetized WhatsApp at all? No. So this is really interesting, and that's to, to my point around them um, being a bit of an AI winner. Actually, so I talked about how they're using AI to do targeting. Um, they are. They've redone their advertising platform so that it's much more focused around RO, return on investment for advertisers. So there's AI going into that, and then WhatsApp. If you think about how you use ChatGPT, the the big breakthrough with Chat, well, one of the big breakthroughs with ChatGPT has been the fact that you're sort of writing and engaging with it in a sort of chatty style. Mm -hmm. Think about businesses using WhatsApp as a chatbot essentially. So there's a possibility that they can monetize WhatsApp as mm -hmm. a as a chatbot for sort of consumer engagement. Oh, but right. but Facebook's had a or Meta has had a very mixed um, success rate with enterprise tech. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Remember they bought and wasn't it a billion they paid for Instagram and people were mm. laughing at them. Mm. Sure. It's done right that narratives. <clears throat> well, it's like YouTube, um, Google buying YouTube. YouTube, YouTube is that. absolutely unwatchable. <laughs> I can't do, can't deal with YouTube. It's absolutely unwatchable. I, for DIY, as I said to you earlier, if you if you give me YouTube and Amazon.com, I'm dangerous. When it comes to DIY. Yeah, if you give me a couple of the yellow pages and the number for a decent tradesman, <laughs> I'm unstoppable. <laughs> Um, ben, that's great. Thank you so much. We've come up on time. Have we about sort of three quarters of an hour? Um, thank you so much. So much that was guys. really interesting. So um, thank you for joining us, folks. Episode 12. We'll be back next week again with Husey, I believe. Husey's back from Centre Parks, is he? Yeah, he's yeah. back from Centre Parks. Centre Parks in UK Centre Parks. No, Holland. Uh, uh, it's, it's a thousand Amsterdam. pounds cheaper. Well, that's apparently. what he said. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. He's he's got a thousand pounds in his pocket. He's back yeah, from Rotterdam. Hack for all the viewers out there. <laughs> um, join us next week. Thank you, Ben. Thanks so much. Catch you soon.